Welcome to the ATP Podcast. I'm Chris Bowers, and this week we're going to get into a discussion about the global tennis tour that might have passed Dubai, but which is a daily reality, often a challenge for a large number of players. Much of the professional tennis circuit takes place in the Northern Hemisphere, with really only the Australian and New Zealand swing at the start of the year and the clay court tournaments in South America breaking up the Northern Hemisphere dominance. So, my colleague Jill Krabis and I have gathered together two players from the Southern Hemisphere to compare their experiences. Later in the show, we'll talk with Francisco Surundolo from Argentina, but we started with Matt Ebden, an Australian who spent the first 13 years of his life in South Africa, so we've effectively covered three Southern Hemisphere countries. We started by asking Ebden, as someone based in the Western Australian city of Perth, how much travelling long distances to connect with the professional tennis tour has been and remains an issue for him. Yes, it is. And even before that, I was, I grew up actually, in my, well, I was born in South Africa, so moved at 13 years of, of age to Australia. So I guess I was on the move from a young age. But yeah, I mean, my first year or so out of high school, probably was able to at least start with, you know, money tournaments and futures in Australia. And then very quickly into the four-month trips to the US, into the six-month trips to Europe, or at least two, three, four months at a time minimum. And that just became the norm. You couldn't really ever leave Australia and do anything less than two or three months. It just wasn't worth it, uh, especially the cost, you know, when you're starting out, if you're playing, you know, small tournaments, uh, or if you're relying on, let's say, Federation to, to funding or AIS, which was our Australian Institute of Sport. Um, those were the early years. So, yeah, there was definitely many uh, long trips left me homesick, uh, pretty wrecked, uh, probably more mentally than anything. And, uh, yeah, you get let's what we call on tour mentally fried. Mentally fried. Okay, so it's both the emotional and the cost. I mean, do you learn to recognise a difference between the players who are fine being away for five, six months and those who, if they're away for three or four weeks, just start to get... Pride. Yeah, absolutely. So you know that's that's obviously also the early years, and then you get uh, you get a lot more used to that lifestyle. Uh, after a few years, you you learn what works for you, what doesn't. You sort of learn what's important in terms of how often you need to maybe go home and see your family and friends, which part of your family or friends or girlfriend or wife needs to be able to travel with you. And uh, yeah, I learned probably in those first five years pretty early that being a tennis player from Australia or Southern Hemisphere as you say was pretty apparent that if I was going to you know be a professional tennis player for my entire career I was going to have to take my life on the road with me and I was fortunate from a pretty young age well my girlfriend at the time but then became my wife around 25 years old Kim who's here with me has traveled with me for most of the last 10 years and uh, that's been the saving grace, I would say. Um, I mean, with, without her being able to travel, first of all, you probably don't have a relationship, never mind a marriage. So, yeah, all, all those things take into account. But, yeah, it's... Uh, look, I mean, there are many worse nations too. At least we have a Grand Slam. At least January is in Australia. And the off-season, we have the best weather. So, obviously, you know, sort of typically November or December, January is always in Australia. But, yeah... Other than that, January, unfortunately, we don't really have any other big tournaments during the rest of the year. So that sort of February to November is the big stint. And, uh, you know, some guys over the years, other Aussie players have done that whole stint. They leave in February and they come back in November and they end up fried, definitely, and, and over time. But I suppose being travellers, being Australian, we uh, we make home bases in, in different parts of the world. So that's what I've sort of tried to do. I've been pretty fortunate. London's obviously 
well, English-speaking, similar country to Australia, you know, Commonwealth, and I've, I've always got a lot of friends and family, family friends living in or around London that we've stayed with or, or sort of home-based with over the years, and we call our second or third home, so we try to have a bit of a home base out of London, and similar in the US as well. We've, we've had, we actually one year had our, our own place, well, a place in Florida, in Boca Raton, to base out of there. But I think that entire year we had it. I think we were, we calculated we were only there about six or seven weeks of the time anyway. So it was basically just leaving a place empty. So it wasn't really much point in that either. So we go, we take holidays, or we, uh, you know, we go to base out of some academies in the U.S. Or actually, again, I have a very close family friend uh, out of Atlanta now that that has a has a very nice home that we sort of it's our American home. Let's call it so. I like to think of that as our American home and maybe they're sort of our American parents and in London we have family friends of more ours and our parents that are, we call our, our British parents and uh, yeah so being Australians kind of no other way but to uh, you know make a bit of a base in Europe somewhere and in the US. You seem from obviously you have a lot of experience now you said 17-18 years on the tour now a couple times you've mentioned that those beginning years were so difficult but you seem to have a good routine down you seem to figure things out but what was mentally challenging and what helped you get through the those first few years that has allowed you to stay mentally strong now with the travel? Look I think to be honest probably a bit of success and ladder climbing I, I think those early years are super tough and you knock your head against the wall you take you know you get some wins you take your losses you feel terrible but you get home and but I kept always knowing I could do better I could improve where I could improve how I could get better and so that kept pushing me to keep going keep going get back out there and, and I was fortunate my ranking kind of followed my thoughts over those years I kind of halved my ranking every year over that five years till I ended up top 70 in the world sort of from that 17, 18 till 23 when I really sort of broke in and been, you know, right right up there since. Well, in and out a bit. But uh, I think the keys have been, yeah, I mean, you sort of got to be honest with yourself and it's, it's very nice to say, oh, yeah, it's much easier to just go and be overseas the whole year, the whole season. But, you know, we're all human. We all have family or friends. And if you're the kind of person who's close to your family and friends, I'm very close to my family. Um, whilst I'm let's say prepared to maybe work as hard as anyone or do the hard yards or do it tough as much as anyone too you kind of got to find that uh, ultimate balance point of where you will function best to be able to perform at the end of the day because you know we're out there to play tennis and perform so and you know it's fine to do it tough but if you're out there for six months and your performance is just declining the whole time you need to be smart enough to realize that something's not working optimally and you need to fix that balance so maybe you need to do the extra long flights two or three more, more times during the year, you know, cop the jet lag, do the long flights a few extra times, spend the extra few thousand here and there for the flights to be in a better state of mind to be able to give it your best when you are competing. Because even though I've gotten better at it experience-wise over the years, I mean, mostly always my, let's say, my singles career up until the last year sort of transitioning to doubles, I would look back... Uh, at the at the whole year after the season's finished and let's say I played 25 to 30 tournaments I can look back and, and I can single out at least probably 5 to 10 where I was not very mentally present at all and they were just rocking up to collect your check and lose basically and that's a, a strange part of it I mean obviously not by on purpose but in hindsight you can realize that you never really had a chance you were never really almost competing or putting out to your best and 
um, you know, that was never on purpose again. But yeah, in hindsight, that's uh, one of the big, big challenges. And unfortunately, there's no great solution. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a never-ending battle. And you sort of think, oh, when I'm top 100, when I've got more money, when I've got more coaches, when I've got my wife with me, this will be easier or this will be easier or I can fly business class, I can have a home in the States. And you think, oh, it'll get easy. But actually, I mean, I've been from the very bottom to the very top and it doesn't really change. <laughs> It's interesting you talk about performance. Let's bring in Francisco Sarundolo here because uh, he's just got into the top 20 and it's interesting. He says that being in the top 20 makes it somewhat easier for him. Once you get into probably top 100, top 50 that I, that I, I reached that uh, last year, at the beginning of the year, uh, it's easier because you have a calendar that it's almost the same during the same years and you know in advance what you're going to play, I don't know, in October and you are in March. So that's that's easier for us because I, I can, I don't know, arrange, manage my life better. Um, tell my friends or my family when I'm going to be in Argentina, when I'm going to leave. So that's that's a bit easier. If you are, I don't know, top 100, you don't know if you're going to get into this tournament, to that tournament, you're going to play quali. So super tough. So once you, you get better and improve your ranking, it's easier off the court and then on, on the court it, you, you feel better because you're playing bigger events, you, you're winning more matches, so it's better overall. And so how often do you get to go back home? Well, we we, we are far from everything, so we go to Australia at the beginning of the year, then we have uh, the South American thing after the, after Australia, so that's, that's good for us because, I don't know, end of January, 20th of January, I don't know which day we are, we are in Argentina, and then we stay there, I don't know, until probably end of February that we go to USA. So almost we have a month there playing Rio and mm. Argentinians um, tournaments. Then one one month to US and probably one week, 10 days to Argentina again. And then we come, we come here to Europe to play the, the clay swing and the, the grass swing. I don't know, if you have time between the clay and the grass, you go back to Argentina... That almost 10 days if not you you just uh, stay forward it's super tough because we I don't know we, we were right here April I think and almost until July mm-hmm. we, we usually don't go back uh, unless you have some time that this year I had it so I'm super happy that I, I, I <laughs> went back and then yeah after grass one week and we have to go to US so it's almost I don't know 10 days then we go one month Two months in this in this in these tournaments, but yeah, it's one week in I don't know one month and a half. I mean, it's tough because it's tough. there are some players that really need to go home, and some players that don't mind being on the road. But yeah. how do you stay mentally fresh when you're gone from home for so long? Yeah, well, at the beginning it was super tough because uh, I wasn't used to to be uh, that long time away from home, so. I miss my friends, meet my family, everything. So then I had to to realize that it was my life, and I had to I don't know manage myself to to enjoy it when I when I wasn't home and when I when I'm home like recharge energies and so when I when I leave home I'm I'm full power I'm ready to go and play. So yeah, it was a process that took me some time, but now I know this is my life. I I know how to enjoy it, how to manage myself and my mental emotions, so yeah, it was tough at the beginning. And how do you enjoy it? No, to be honest, I enjoy it uh, a lot because, well, now I'm where I, I wanted to be my whole life. It was 
my dream to be top mm -hmm. 20 or top whatever and play the biggest event so yeah I try to enjoy a lot I have now the chance to to travel with a bigger team with my some of my families come usually uh, some weeks or my girlfriend or some friends so now it's easier than, than at the beginning and last thing just having the tournaments at home because we're talking about the calendar how tough it is to be away for so long but yeah. there's more tournaments coming to South America that must be such a good feeling being able to play more in your home continent home country yeah. what does that what does that mean to you to be able to play in front of your home crowd yeah it's super nice for sure um, we only have uh, two in Argentina Rio and Chile in ATP level I mean so it's almost a month that you can you can play there be with at, at your house for at least one month so I super enjoy it. I really like it. Some players probably, I don't know, feel pressure when you play when they play home. I I don't feel like that. I it's like uh, I get more power, more energy. I feel like I have to play for them. So I super enjoy it every every time I play back home. So I hope, uh, yeah, we can have more or I don't know the Davis Cup. We can have it in Argentina one day. Um, I know now in Challengers and Futures. Uh, we have lot more more tournaments now in South America, so that's super nice for the other guys that are there. They are playing that level challenger, so because they don't have to try it a lot, so I'm super happy for them, and hopefully South America can still uh, keep going, growing up. That was Francisco Sarundolo, an interesting match that he talks about challenger tournaments. I mean, is that the solution to all this, that actually you need a, an awful lot of second-level tournaments? in lots of different parts of the world so that by the time players get to the point where they have to travel a lot they've at least got a ranking inside the top 100 by having done reasonably well on the challenger circuit i think that is a good pretty good solution and i'm actually privy to a lot of those sort of meetings and that stuff now and getting more experience i'm on the atp player council so i'm sort of able to now 15 17 years of 18 years on tour able to sort of at least share and help with some of that experience but I think so. I think I think golf do that reasonably well. You know, they have the Asian tour, the European tour, the American tour, and guys can kind of go in one of those continents and set up their maybe their home and their life and stay there most of the year and play. They will still travel. They'll still do whatever. But, I mean, tennis, I mean, if you look at my schedule some years, I remember some years I took 54 flights and I went to like 22 countries and 54 flights in 52 weeks, not even, in, in 45 weeks or 40 weeks. So literally almost every week changing time zone and taking an international flight. But um, yeah, I, I think that is a bit of a solution. The problem also is with all the regional challenger tournaments, you can't then all have, <laughs> we can't all end up top 100. There's only 100 spots. <laughs> and obviously 20, 30, 50, 60, 70 of those are already guys who are already there and you know uh, established there and playing a very good level a long time. So there's only ever maybe... 10 to 20 to 30 to 40 new spots coming in and out there over the years here and there and uh, that's the, the, the challenge but now I think that ATP particularly has done well with the Challenger Tour making it a lot better in its own right the prize money has I think more than doubled from, from what I'm told and the standards are a lot better at all those tournaments so that makes the lifestyle and the, you know the hotels covered the food a bit more prize money so it eases a lot of those things like you said, with success, it, it does get a bit easier and better. You, you can bring your wife with you, your coach, your, fa your family or your trainer. Or your physio, you can fly business class. If you have to fly home, you can. You don't have to worry so much about the cost of hotels and apartments and this and that. So, you, of course, that helps. So, you know, the better you do, of course, you get a bit more freedom financially and, and even with your schedule, it becomes a bit more manageable. 
but uh, you know the, the the challenges of living away from home are still there. You mentioned a couple of times how important your family was to have around. That that was a really rock for you on the road that helped you. The the other Australians or South Americans that you know maybe their family can't travel for various reasons, other work or whatever. Do you guys bond in a certain way or have you spoken about that and, and how to help each other on the tour? Because you are together week in and week out. Yeah, a few different angles on that, I suppose. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'd have my family with me, well, particularly my wife. Uh, before that, the first five, seven years, yeah, I've traveled four months by myself, for, for sure. Many, many long months, weeks, trips by myself. And I think in those times when you're starting out, especially futures, Let's say you're probably sharing rooms with guys to split costs and things, and or if you're sharing a coach from, let's say, Tennis Australia, and there's five of you players, then you know you all hang out together, you travel together, you you do what you can to make sure you're eating meals together, you're practicing together. You know, those are your friends, your kind of family on the tour, keeping you all sane and competing. But on the flip side, it's really hard because you're rooming with that guy, and then two days later, you're playing against each other in the quarterfinals or, or in the final. So it's pretty awkward. Like you kind of got to put that aside a bit, then compete and, and get on with it. But you kind of have to pick your battles, I, I would say. I mean, in the end of the day, I think we're all firstly humans, firstly people, and then we're tennis players. It's you know it's the in, inevitability of life, I would say. But uh, yeah, there's all that. Then you know the, all the performance stuff that that gets in the way of how open and honest can you really be with your friends on tour because they're actually your enemies and if you play them in a big final well do you really want to be telling them that you're feeling really sad and want to go home and uh, or that your shoulder's really sore or all those little things you know so that, that all plays into it that's why I suppose especially as people get towards the top they sort of have their own private teams a lot more. We're not going to solve this problem now <laughs> but I would like to just ask you what solutions could there be I mean if you look at countries like South Africa which mm. has a great tennis tradition they don't have any tour events yeah. New Zealand has one the rest of Africa you know just mm. think of the distances that a promising young African has to travel they're pretty yeah. uh, you know vast and yet we get the kind of money we have in tennis because it goes where the economic value is sure. is there a way of having more tour level events in the southern hemisphere or is it just something that you have to suck up on the basis of where the economic centers of the global economy are yeah it's a good question one we've dabbled with over many years in various forms but the, there's obviously at the at the higher tour level there's obviously a limited amount of licenses so i think it's something like 50 or 60 on atp tour level so above challenges so from atp 250 500,000 and the slams so there's a limited number of those licenses and they can only be bought or sold or distributed so there is a lot of other money out there that does want to get licenses and hold tournaments and events some in the middle east some in china asia some in southern um southern hemisphere as you say australia could probably do more tournaments i know south america has pretty big economies down there I mean, perth is quite a long way exactly from, I mean, we think of perth as australia <laughs> yeah. but i mean distance from perth to sydney or perth to melbourne yeah. is the same as yeah. london moscow or los angeles exactly exactly but now direct flight from perth to london you know so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's yeah, exactly, much closer. <laughs> no, but I, I think, um, you know, like playing a little bit more in continents or regions, like we said, you know, a bit like European tour, American tour, Asian tour, Asian Oceania tour, that would at least allow people to play not even the whole year, but let's say even segments, let's say even uh, a quarter or a third, you know, of the year, you could mainly be in your region or, or continent at least. 
So that would make things a lot easier. And that might become an imperative from an environmental perspective as well. Exactly. I mean, there's, there's all these carbon things going around. Everyone's saving plastic and everything, and it's great. And I'm all for it, and I'll do it myself. But then we're on a plane every single week, so that doesn't really add up. So, yeah, play, playing in regions is definitely a lot more. I think team events is a big one for tennis, for fans, for, well, spectators, sponsors, and, and in those regions, like even the home and away ties in Davis Cup. You know, that, those team things, Labor Cup's done a great, um, you know, model with what they're doing, with the, the structure of their tournament. They're showing that those team-focused big events that capture real audiences really work. So potentially there's a few more things we can do there in those regions and with some more team events. Matt Ebden and also Jill Kravis, uh, based in Los Angeles. Thank you very much indeed. Of and course. I hope there's a solution to this problem or at least a way of dealing with it better. Thanks. Yeah, I think we could make it a little better. I don't know if there's a full solution, but there's always ways you can do things better. Our thanks to Matt Ebden and also to Francisco Sarundolo. And who knows, the idea of a greater focus on shorter regional swings might help the health of players, allowing them more time off to recuperate and work on aspects of their game. Next week, we'll be in North America, looking ahead to tournaments on the American and Canadian hardcourt swing that will lead into the US Open at the end of August. For now, I'm Chris Bowers. Thanks for listening and enjoy the tennis.